Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of knowing the Bible so we can live by it. Jehoshaphat, knowing God's Word, he fell back on God's Word and His promises. So important that you and I know God's Word because when those times come, and they will come, you are only going to have God's Word to fall back on. If you fall back on your feelings, you're going to just flop. If you judge it by your circumstance or situation, you may make the wrong decision. You and I need to know the Word of God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. How big is your problem? How big is your God? The simple truth is, your worldview can either be your key to victory or the reason for your defeat. Today, Pastor Xavier examines the life of one of God's servants from years gone and shares what happens when you live a life inconsistent with the promises of the Word of God. Turn to the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 20, for a continuation of the lessons we can learn from the life of King Jehoshaphat. Notice that as long as we are walking in the way God has prescribed to us, God remains faithful to His people. God can have no party with sin. God can have no party with sinful alliances. And so the Old Testament examples admonishments for our learning, not simply stories to criticize, not simply stories to look down on certain men, but stories to put ourselves side by side lest we come to the very same place. And here, I want you to look at the whole of Jehoshaphat's life. Though we can pick out good things and we should learn from them, there was an inconsistency with his life because one time he really seeks the Lord and the other time he just does everything against the Lord. Now, none of us are perfect, but there's a difference between falling short because of our weaknesses, because of stumbling, and a willful decision to just rebel against the Lord. That's a whole different thing. Now, chapter 20, Ammon, uh, Moab, and the Edomites, they came against him. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim the fast throughout all of Judah. Now here we see the man responding the way he should. We see him get into trouble and he turns to the Lord. That's commendable. So he seeks the Lord. He proclaims the fast throughout all Judah. They gather, verse 5 says, in the new court of the temple. And verse 6 says, this is what they said, O Lord God, our, our fathers, are you not God in the heavens? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? It's always important that when I come against obstacles that are far beyond my abilities, that I always place those impossible situations against the potential of God then they will be reduced down to proper size. Whenever I measure the impossibility of any task in my life with the abilities of man or my own abilities, I get overwhelmed. But if I am being faithful to the Lord and if I am seeking the Lord, then the only way I can truly measure them is with God's abilities. Then I see hope. Then I can draw close to God. And this is exactly what Jehoshaphat was doing here. And notice they did it where they declared fast to show their mourning, their sincerity. 
Verse 7 says, Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? Three times in Scripture, Abraham has said he's called a friend of God. And they dwelt in it, and they have built it. And a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us. And now here he reiterates the very prayer of Solomon as he dedicated the temple. When he says, God, if your people ever leave you, if they trespass against you, and if they ever turn to you from the place where they are, hear their prayer. Jehoshaphat, knowing God's word, he fell back on God's word and his promises. So important that you and I know God's word because when those times come, and they will come, you are only going to have God's word to fall back on. If you fall back on your feelings, you're going to just flop because your feelings will just destroy you. If you judge it by your circumstance or situation, you may make the wrong decision. You and I need to know the word of God. That is the standard. And so he quotes Solomon's prayer here. Now in verse 10 he says, Now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. That's a pretty smart prayer. What Jehoshaphat is really saying is, Lord, they're coming to fight against us, but really they're fighting against you. Because you gave us a land, and the land really belongs to you. And in verse 12 he says, O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Ah, oh, tremendous. This is difficult, though, huh? It's neat to read, <laughs> but it's difficult when we're going through it, but not impossible. And every time that we come to that place, man, we have to remind ourselves that our eyes must be upon the Lord. Now all of Judah with their little ones, their wives, their children, they stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, and the son of Mattaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, because... Of this great multitude for the battle is not yours but God's it is a spiritual warfare we are the instruments but it is God who fights it's his might his armor not our own and so he says in verse 16 tomorrow go down against them they will surely come up by the ascent of Sis, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerel you will not need to fight this battle. Position yourselves and stand still. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And so Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, bowed themselves before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites and the children of Koala stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel and the voices loud and high. And they rose early in the morning. They went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. Tekoa was the birthplace of Amos the prophet. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. 
And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying. And so part of them said, praise the Lord. And the response, the other one said, for his mercy endures forever. What do you think the enemy was saying when they were hearing? Here they're coming out to battle and they hear this big old army who's singing. That's kind of a weird strategy. But so was marching around Jericho. So was going out with trumpets and clay pots and lanterns. You see, it's nothing for God to save with few or with many. But it's interesting that when we come to these scriptures in the Old Testament, oh yeah, great, right on, God's good. But when God wants to work in our life the very same way, the very same impossibilities, then we start rationalizing it. Oh, well, but yeah, you know, he did that. Then. Oh, he's not the same today as he is then? The psalmist says that Israel limited the Lord. I wonder how often I have limited God in my own life. I wonder how often I have said, Lord, I don't want to see that done. Oh, I didn't say it openly like that, but I rationalized it. I didn't step out. I didn't really trust God for it. I don't want to, but my flesh is weak at times. And so I always have to remember when those times of fear come that I turn to God. Because I really don't want to miss anything. And so they went out worshiping God in song. Now when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, the Lord set an ambush against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. And verse 24 tells us that there were dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people in verse 25 came to take away the spoil, they found among them abundance of valuables and the dead bodies. They began to strip the bodies so much they could not even carry it away. They were three days gathering the spoil before because it was too much. And on the fourth day, verse 26 says, they assembled the valley of Berakah, which means the valley of blessing, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Barak unto this day. It's interesting that the reference to the name of the valley was not to the blessing of finances, but to the blessing because they blessed the Lord. This is only one of the places. God does not put a premium upon money. He's more concerned with the spiritual blessings. But the material blessings are never the priority. They're always added on later after we seek the kingdom of God, if that's God's will. They came back to Jerusalem with joy. And the fear of God was upon all the kingdoms, verse 29 says. Verse 31, it says, So Jehoshaphat was king over Judah. He was 35 years old when he began to be king. He reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azubah, the daughter of Shilhai. And he walked in the ways of his father Asa and did not turn aside from it, doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. And now the rest of the Acts, verse 34 says, the first and the last, Indeed, they are written in the book of Jehu, the son of Hanani, which we do not have and in the books of the kings of Israel. After this, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, aligned himself, here we go again, with Ahaziah, king of Israel, the north again, who acted very wickedly. And he allied himself with him to make ships to go to Tarshish, Spain. And they made the ships of an Ezion, Geber. But Eliezer, the son of Dodova, of Merishah, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, because you have allied yourself with Ahaziah, the Lord has destroyed your works. Then the ships were wrecked so that they were not able to go to Tarshish. Continual trespass, continual disobedience, very, very dangerous. 
He doesn't learn from his past mistakes. And Jehoshaphat, chapter 21 says, rested with his fathers. He was buried with his fathers in the city of David. Then Jehoram, his son, reigned in his place. He had brothers and sons of Jehoshaphat, Azariah, Jehiel, Zechariah, and the rest of them there. Their father, verse 3 says, gave them great gifts and silver and gold and precious things with fortified cities in Judah, but he gave the kingdom to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. Now when Jehoram was established over the kingdom of his father, he strengthened himself and killed all his brothers with the sword and also others of the princes of Israel. He didn't want any rivals, and so he wiped them out. Verse 5 says, Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king to reign eight years in Jerusalem. And he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, just as the house of Ahab had done, for he had the daughter of Ahab as a wife. Now here you have the consequences of his father's compromise running over into the next generation. And in his days, the Edomites revolted against Judah, the authority of the, and made king over themselves. And so um, Jehoram, he went out with his officers and all the chariots with him. He rose by night and he attacked the Edomites who had surrounded him and the captains of chariots. And thus the Edomites have been in revolt against Judah's authority to this day. And so a letter came to him from Elijah the prophet saying, Thus saith the Lord God of your father David, because you have not walked in the ways of Jehoshaphat your father or in the ways of Asaph king of Judah, but have walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and have made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to play the harlot like the harlotry of the house of Ahab and also have killed your brothers, those of your father's household who were better than yourself. Behold, the Lord will strike your people with a serious affliction, your children, your wives, and all of your possessions, and you will become very sick with the disease of your intestines until your intestines come out by reason of the sickness day by day. Awesome. God does not take sin lightly. He really doesn't, people. You know, and we say, well, you know, God doesn't execute his wrath as he did in the Old Testament where he consumes some people and he causes them to fall sick under disease like we're reading here. How do we know he doesn't? God is the same. The New Testament tells us that God does chasten his children. Paul tells the Corinthians, some of you are sick and some of you have died because you have not honored the Lord's table. And so we need to pay heed that we walk in obedience to the word of God. Now chapter 22, we get the reign of Ahaziah. He was 42 years old, verse 2 says. He reigned for one year. Then his mother's name was Adliah. He was a granddaughter, or literally the daughter. There's no different word between daughter and granddaughter. He also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, again in wickedness. His mothers counseled him to do wickedly. And then um, verse 5 says, He also walked in their counsel and went with Jehoram, the king of Ahab, king of Israel. So uh, you notice that in the previous chapter, we had two Jehorams reigning. One in the south, one in the north at the same time. So it gets kind of confusing sometimes. And Jehoram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, he went down with him to make war against Haziel, king of Syria, at Ramoth Gilead. And the Syrians wounded Joram. Then he returned to Jezreel to recover from his wounds. And Azariah, the latter portion says, he went down to see uh, Jehoram, the son of Ahab of Jezreel, because he was sick. 
His going to Joram in verse 7 was God's occasion for Azariah's downfall. For when he arrived, he went out with Jehoram against Jehu, the son of Ninshi, whom the Lord had anointed to cut off the house of Ahab. So this was in fulfillment of the prophecy that God had given in Kings. And it happened when Jehu was executing judgment on the house of Ahab and found the princes of Judah and the sons of Ahaziah, Ahaziah's brother, who served Ahaziah, that he killed them. And he searched out for Ahaziah, and they caught him. Hiding in Samaria, they brought him back to Jehu, and he killed him. Now in verse 10, it says, When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the seed royal, so that she would be reigning. But Jehoshibeth, the daughter of the king, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him. She hid him. And he was hidden in them, verse 12 says, with them in the house of God for six years until it was time when they would crown him king. And then in the seventh year, Jehoiada strengthened himself and made a covenant with the captain of hundreds, Azariah the son of Jehoram, Ishmael the son of Jehoanan, and the rest of those guys. And they went throughout Judah. They gathered the Levites from all the cities, the chief of the fathers of Israel. They came to Jerusalem. And all the congregation made a covenant with the king in the house of God. Verse 4 says, This is what you shall do. One third of you entering on the Sabbath, and the priests and the Levites shall be keeping watch over the door. One third shall be at the king's house, and one third of the gate of the foundation. And all the people shall be in the courts of the house of the Lord. But let no one come into the house of the Lord except the priests and those of the Levites who serve. They may go in, for they are holy, but all the people shall keep the watch of the Lord. And the Levites shall surround the king on all sides, every man with his weapon in his hand. And so in other words, they're setting the strategy and the plan to protect him during these years so nobody will come in and try to kill him. And so the Levites in verse 8 and all of Judah did according to all the Jehoiada the priest commanded. In verse 9, Jehoiada the priest gave to all the captains the hundreds, spears, large and small, shields, so on and so forth. And then in verse 11, and they brought out the king's son. After a set time, when the time came, they brought him out to put the crown on him. They gave him the testimony and made him king. Then Jehoiada and his sons anointed him and said, Long live the king. Now the response of Athaliah is kind of amusing. Now when Athaliah heard the noise of the people running and praising the king, she came to the people in the temple of the Lord. And when she looked, there was the king standing by his pillar at the entrance, and the leaders of the trumpeters were by the king. And all the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets, also the singers of instruments and music, and those who led in praise. So Athaliah tore her clothes and said, Treason! Treason! <laughs> and Jehoiada the priest brought out the captains of hundreds, who were set over the army and said to them, Take her outside under the guard and slay with the sword whoever follows her. For the priest said, Do not kill her in the house of the Lord. So they seized her, she went by way of the entrance of the horse gate in the king's house, and they killed her there. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between himself and the people and the king that they should be the Lord's people. And all the people went to the temple of Baal, and they tore it down. They broke it to pieces, the images. Verse 18, they appointed oversight of the house of the Lord, and they were obedient to the written law of Moses. They rejoiced in singing. And then in verse 19, they set the gatekeepers. Verse 20, they took captains and they brought once again 
the people of God in submission to the rule of God. And so we see that in this civil war that goes on and has started from Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, there is a going back and forth. There is not a real consistency as we saw in the reign of David. In chapter 24, Joash was seven years old. He was very young when he came to be king. He reigned for 40 years in Jerusalem. Verse 2, Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And Jehoiada took for him two wives. He had sons and daughters. And when it happened after Joash set his heart to repair the house of the Lord. Then he gathered the priests, the Levites, and said to them, Go out to the cities of Judah, gather all, from, all the money from Israel to repair the house of your God from year to year. And um, see that you do it quickly. However, the Levites did not do it quickly. So he was trying to restore the defacement of the temple and the idolatrous worship that had been set up there. But the priests had even become slack in that. Then verse 8 says that at the king's commandment, they made the chest. They put it outside the gate of the house of the Lord. And they made a proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem to bring to the Lord the collection that Moses, the servant of God, had imposed upon Israel in the wilderness. And all the leaders and the people rejoiced. They brought their contributions and put them in the chest until all had given. They paid for the restoration of the house of God so that it would return to the original condition, verse 13 says. But Jehoiada, verse 15 says, grew old and was full of days, and he died. He was 130 years old when he died. And they buried him with the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel, both towards God and his house. And after the death of Jehoiada, the leaders of Judah came and about them down to the king, and the king listened to them. Therefore, they left the house of the Lord, God of their fathers, and served wooden images back again, and idols. And the wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespass. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord, and they testified against them, but they would not listen. Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, he stood above the people. He said to them, Thus said God, Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Underline that. Because you have forsaken the Lord, he also has forsaken you. So they conspired against him instead of listening. At the commandment of the king, they stoned him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. Thus Joash the king did not remember the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him, but killed his son. And as he died, he said, The Lord look on it and repay. And so it happened in the spring of that year that the army of Syria came up against him, and they came to Judah and Jerusalem. Verse 24, The army of Syria came with a small company, but the Lord delivered them. A small company, but the Lord delivered them. And when they had withdrawn from him, verse 25, they left him Severely wounded, his own servants conspired against him. They killed him in his own bed. And it says at the end there, then Amaziah his son reigned in his place. What a sad commentary. And yet it is so necessary for us to know the history of Israel. So instructive to us, so important. We need to open our hearts to the Lord and to learn from all that is recorded for us lest we should fall into the same sin. Walk with the Lord. Draw close to Him. Resist the devil, and he'll flee. God is faithful. He will not forsake you. He will strengthen you. He will show you the way of escape. We are to be a holy people. 
totally dependent upon God. Pastor Xavier Reese on living a victorious life. Now, today's message has been titled 2 Chronicles chapter 17 through 24 and is available on CD for just $4. And by the way, we'll be able to include everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. Now, that title to ask for once again is 2 Chronicles chapter 17 through 24. Or you can simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com